God, this fucking year is a dumpster. Jesus Christ. People are recognizing that the whole way that like the founding document of this country, which is like so fucking gross to even say because we were founded on such oppression and um, like toxic treatment of humans, but um, that it's actually changeable. So that's a piece I want to manifest is like this really, and it doesn't even need to be radical because you don't need to pull people so far one direction that they stop engaging, but people start to realize that what's been constructed is so is so ripe for change. And that's going to be part of the opportunity that comes out of this. It's not just like a flip of a coin, right? Or, or a decision at a poker game. It's like this, these deep embedded sick policies and ideas of how um, social orders and, and social organization of, of humans just, just act in this case, don't cooperate, but basically just um, collide, I think. And, and that to me is what feels really unsettling and, I don't even know what the work ahead looks like. And that's, I think, another part of just getting kind of nose to the grindstone of what, it, what does it look like moving forward? For us to think that we live in any other country than this, we've been fooling ourselves. This is the country that we live, live in. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's, who's president. And, and the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you, fuck some white women. Fuck mm. you, white women supremacists. More mm. women, more white women voted for Trump in 2020 than they did in 2016. Fuck all of you white women. You are the fucking problem because you are too fucking afraid to lose your own power and your own prestige that you will actually continue to, to put your thumb over people and to rub your heel on people so that you can protect yourself. And that is some fucking bullshit. Fuck you, white women. There, is, there has always been this idea of the American dream and that all you have to do is work hard to get there. So if you see someone who's touting that and says he's going to take care of you, like, you, you know, you might just go along with it because you think you can have those things too because you don't realize or you refuse to see that the that the very things that that um, are being that have been created the past four years actually create larger economic gaps. You know, the rest of the world always looks at Americans and is like, "You guys are a bunch of selfish motherfuckers." Mm -hmm. Like this, this, it, and it is like it's it's baked into the 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 DNA of being an American, right? The rugged individualism, the Puritan morality work ethic of pull yourself up by the boot bootstraps. Like that is baked into our, our culture. It's who we are. And this rugged individualism also manifests itself in a way where like we as a nation have a very hard time about thinking about other people. Like, and this comes down to a values thing, mine. Even in just how we are, we trot ourselves out around the globe and how we protect our interests. And we do it at the expense of, of other um, nations and other people and, and definitely other value systems. And I think that that sense of, as you spoke, if it's, it's kind of like woven into our fabric, then mm -hmm. your, your value systems, if they're at all jolted in a way, you can easily kind of clutch back on to that protective, well, this is how, you know, my neighbors think. And this is, it's almost like this, uh, it's like the collective um, conventional wisdom that's really, really not 
wisdom at all. It's just the, the, what you threw it out, the, the hegemony, the hegemony, the hegemonic structure of mm-hmm. keeping itself in place and not and not really disrupting that because then you disrupt that power structure and then you go to like really great thoughtful um, people that do work around power and around leadership and there's like not an infinite or a finite amount of power like you can actually mm-hmm. lead with uh, power and not be like power over, right? You don't have to lead with this sense of fear and you don't have to lead with this sense of, you know, loyalty and and like subscribing to somebody's every tweet or every um, waking movement or breathing. You can actually, there's like an infinite amount of power and it can be shared and it can be like an actual cultivation of the human spirit and the collective spirit and community spirit we all have to acknowledge that there's so much fucking work to be done on climate justice and on human rights and on gender equity and just not, not how would I say um, stomaching what we've been existing in. We got some work to do motherfuckers, myself included. That's right. I'm super excited to have artist, athlete and perhaps activist uh, Brooklyn Bell with us today on Juicy Bits. Brooklyn, welcome to our podcast. Hi, everyone. People are starting to kind of put the puzzle pieces together and being like, oh, just because you ski and mountain biking doesn't mean you can run away from racism. Mm-hmm. Or maybe skiing and mountain biking are actually very racist. Spaces that are built for white people, they don't always work for everyone. So it's just mm-hmm. breaking that down and being like, okay, well, we can invite people in, but are we actually inviting people in? Is this space actually inclusive for women and people of color and indigenous folks? I don't know. I think my inspiration for the Rafiki was play and fun and laughter and just like, I think women don't really get very many different narratives in the outdoors. I think especially with skiing, like... um I think some of the women that I look up to who are amazing skiers, um, they kind of have like this natural like stoicism to them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes when I ski, like it's just all about being a goof and taking a lot of boom booms. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to create a piece of graphic that just inspired you know, women to just play and like pop off of things and, you know, experiment and not be afraid to take chances in that way. Yeah. We've been so fucked for so fucking long that absolutely it's going to be incredibly painful to dig ourselves out of this, you know, and in 2020, like the way that it's the only reason why COVID is so bad is because our healthcare system is poor it's because we don't pay people well enough. It's because we don't have um, unemployment that actually serves anyone. It's because we don't have a safety net. It's because, like, let me just, like, list the reasons. Again, I think what I learned, too, is as it exposes more of these systemic inequities and these historic inequities, what I also learned needs to go along with that are those thought leaders like our, like Ibram Kendi and Austin Channing Brown and really um, prolific um, speakers and writers right now that are helping to then connect those dots for not necessarily, you know, totally 
overtly racist, um, you know, white Americans, but relatively ignorant slash like pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I did it and I worked hard and I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that they deserve all that handholding, but I know that I know that there are people that want to do better and believe that they can do better. They just, they don't know better. And it's not this like, it's not this like, oh, rising tide lifts all boats. Everything is better. It's like, op- no, a rising tide does not lift all boats because not everybody was above fucking water. What happened with the insurrection at the Capitol last week has been um, just sort of like devastating and awe-inspiring and also perhaps our new new normal. Um, and last week's events in the most honest and, and, and truthful ways. We, we need to call this white supremacy. We need to call this um, white power. We need to call this white rage. We need to say out loud that had this been any other group of people, read black, brown, indigenous, there would have been countless arrests and dead bodies strewn all over the Capitol. We need to move away from conversations that exist in the binary of Republican and Democrat and them and us and understand that that we 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 being I'm gonna we as me as a, a white person, as a white woman, um, we have to be very outspoken about what we've been seeing because that is the only way that we're gonna be able to make change. I do think the words for 2021, it will be about accountability and this new administration, and it will be holding one, not only just accountability, but then also how do we help support those that are currently in office? Because I don't know what it would look like. What if we have the 117th Congress right now? So we get two years to so be the 119th Congress um, sworn in again to continue to see the shift towards um, humans that represent values that push us forward in society. And again, don't think about it as like this finite amount of power, but it's like that power, just like our resources, right? They're, 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 they're shared out in a way that people's human potential is realized because they have access. And to me, that's so much of what white supremacy and white power has crippled and continues to cripple is just this denying of access and these barriers. And some of them are very real. And then some of them are, they're, they're almost like metaphoric and entrenched in a way that people self-internalize them. And they, they internalize the sense of powers. Cause like you said, they're like, Oh, well that's just normal. That's how it should be. White men should be able to do that. They should be able to be mediocre and get all this fucking attention. They should be able to be trespassing, stealing, violent a-holes and that's okay. And it's like, no, cause that mess message trickles down to the youngest of our young, all, all genders and gives them a really, really dangerous message that that's okay. And they can expect that behavior from the fucking playground to the classroom, to their own small nuclear family. And so disrupting that and challenging that comes holding ourselves accountable, those closest to us that we love, asking those hard questions, surrounding yourself with those that you can springboard off to then do the do some really great work as well to all the listeners uh raquel velez is here with us and she is the founder of alpine parrot when we think about the stereotypical outdoorsy person we are not thinking of people of color or people of size but we are here Mm -hmm. we are enjoying ourselves 
And frankly, when we're in our elements, we truly and really shine. So whether you have abilities or disabilities, or if you are of certain races or ethnicities or back, like it doesn't matter if you are fat or skinny or anything, like your body is just as worthy of love and attention and joy as any other body. And I just want to focus mm-hmm. on that and not try to be like, you're like, you're not fat, you're healthy or you're strong, or you're big boned or like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, shut up. Like, let's just not even talk about that part. Like, let's focus on the equality of bodies because we still don't seem to get as at least a country and I'm sure as a general worldwide society that like all bodies are equal. Honestly, I think one of the biggest issues facing the outdoor industry is that everybody's like, oh, we need to, we need to have racial diversity. We need to make this better. Like we get it. But at the same time, they don't want to make inclusive sizing because that's not healthy and they want to promote healthy being. And it's like, whoa, hold up. If you look at the numbers, right? If you look at the numbers, people of color are larger than white people, just Mm -hmm. on a very generalistic scale. And so when Mm -hmm. you don't include more sizes, you are inherently not including more racial and ethnic diversity. That is just a sheer fact. So if you want to fix one, you have to address the other. You can't just pick and choose. You've got to do both. You know, the day that like me and all of my friends can walk into REI and any other apparel, like outdoor apparel store, retail store, and like all of us can find clothes that we don't have to, like we get to choose based on color and style and use and not on whether or not it fits. Like that's the day I win. Um, Jillian, are we, are we still funny? I don't fucking know. I don't know. So Jen had this brilliant idea and made (laughs) rolls of toilet paper with the coalition logo. And it was like coalition get shit done. If I remember correctly. And we Mm -hmm. were, it's really funny when you're in these big convention centers where they've got like the lock and key on the toilet paper situation. And so we were like thoughtful about like, all right, we're going to put some toilet paper in the restrooms, but what else can we do with it? And I was like, you know what? I always think it's really funny when people have toilet paper on their shoe, when they come out of the bathroom and like, that's a thing. Like you fucking tell somebody when that happened, this to me was like this pivotal, like sisterhood of shred moment. I'm like, if we can't help each other out, so we're like, let's see what happens at the trade show. If I walk around with toilet paper on my um, shoe. Okay, but let's let's be clear. We're not talking about like three like squares. We're talking about 10 feet. There is like, like a, a red carpet of toilet paper. There is a 10 foot um, like tree. A train. It was like the train I never had. It was, it was a train of 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 custom printed coalition snow toilet paper that said "We get shit done" with our logo on it. And Jillian is what I am maybe like twenty to thirty feet behind her, capturing this on my phone and like barely holding it together. And she's walking through the trade show like she has no idea what's going on. And so I'm now watching everybody's response to her. And this is where the like 
the Dude, fucking assholes. Oh my God. These guys. So some people were nice and they were like, Hey, you have something on your, you have some, t- <laughs> you have some- <laughs> the best are the people who mammed me. Like I'm getting mammed and like, but ma'am, ma'am, excuse me. Kind of like the loss. Like what's that woman doing in here? <laughs> like, um, oh, my, oh my God, we feel so bad for her. And so those people were like, people they were totally cool. There were dudes at booths, like, you know, whether it was like, you know, a different snowboard brand or a um, snowboard binding brand. And it was, it was a lot of the snowboarders. I'm going to say that. And as a snowboarder, I have no problem talking shit about like the fuckery in snowboarding at all. But um, I'll never forget those. I, I wish I remembered what brand they were from. Maybe you do. These two dudes were snickering and and pointing at Jillian and then and I think I went up and said something to them would you remember what happened so what I remember uh, is that they were mad that we like tricked them oh yeah then they got mad how dare you do and we're like how dare you they were like snickering and kind of heckling and you were like pointing totally playing along a little bit and then like they were pissed that we like trapped them and we're like dude we're just like kind of fucking playing around but like what like you wouldn't tell any person walking by you with a train of 10 feet of toilet paper that they're like literally kind of mortifying themselves like like help somebody out like you're fucking jerks well here's here's the thing oh you think you think we just let the cat out of the bag that you're assholes okay wait everybody fucking knows your assholes to start with myrna valerio the one and only myrna i'm so pumped to have you on juicy bits today welcome well jen thank you for having me (laughs) that's my (laughs) With my white people voice. Um, <laughs> so that's how this podcast is going to go. Uh, one of the things I said when I was being interviewed for National Geographic, I was like, well, you know, I stick my big ass <laughs> into places where people think I don't belong. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go shake shit up, right? Um, that's not necessarily what I'm thinking. I just... I'm just going to go there because I think I belong there. Like right. I feel, I feel entitled to be in a space where maybe people don't think I belong. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to do it. Um, and so, and I, and it actually does shake shit up, but I don't go in with like, Oh, like, let me go stir the pot. <laughs> That's just, I mean, it's just kind of like the fabric of who I am. Yeah. Like when you go in and like expecting yourself to have some fear and and being okay with the fact that you are going to have fear and there's some trepidation and uh, you know you're going to look like an idiot and you know you're going to fall and you know you have to get yourself up because the instructor's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are all skills. Those are all like, those are skills that are transferable to life, Yeah. right? Um, being afraid of something, knowing that you are going to fall and you, you have to figure out a way to get yourself up. Uh, knowing that, you know, you're not going to look like somebody who's been skiing all their lives. Right. Yeah. Knowing that, um, you're going to feel like an idiot. (laughs) Okay. I am so happy to have a special guest today with me. I've got Lindsay Delorier who is the president and a co-owner of Bolton Valley Resort, which is an independently owned small ski resort in Vermont. 
one of the things that we constantly hear back from people who come here, people who, you know, who go to the other bigger resorts too. And a lot of people who are like finding us on the Indy Pass or something like that, you know, yeah. they're like, oh my God, we had the best experience ever. Like your lifties, like they're so awesome. Like they're chatting me up in the line. They're just so happy to be here. You know, every, like one of the things about being a small team is that you really are a team. Um, yeah. And I feel like that comes through in the, you know, customer service that is given to our guests because people are just so happy. They really like our staff really wants everybody to have a good time. You know, we're all in it together. And I feel like that comes through in the experience. And for a lot of people is as valuable as or more valuable than, you know, marble countertops in the public restrooms. Right. So I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a trade-off, you know, you're going to have for mica here in the restrooms, but, you know, but your lifting is going to be so psyched to bump that chair for you. You know, by creating this connection to the mountains, we create stewards, you know, for the natural environment, yeah. you know, and for the love of mountains, because if you're always living in sort of like, you know, um, you know, like a built environment, you may not have the same appreciation for, you know, for nature or for the mountains as if you actually have the opportunity to get out and, you know, have that spiritual moment, you know, like, be standing in the woods with the snow glistening, you know, and the sun like dappling through the pine boughs. And you're just like, you realize you're connected to the earth and, um, you know, and by, by creating the opportunity for people to be outside and to have those experiences, you know, I feel like, I feel like there's, it, it plays a role in environmental stewardship, you know, generally speaking. So I, I hope that that's true too. Jennifer, and you know I only use your full name when I have a serious proposition for you. I have something serious I need to talk to you about. I need you to go through all your finances. I want you to talk to your accountant. You need to buy the plot of land next to us that's for sale in Tahoma. One, because I miss your beautiful face on the West Shore, and I miss your company. And the other reason is this plot of land is small as fuck, and it's going for more than we bought our house for. Um, we keep knocking the sign down. I don't know if I should say that, but for our listeners, you get me because I don't want a fucking Tahoma tunnel next to my house. So Brendan and I have a plan that we're going to redneck the shit out of our fucking um, lot. So I'm thinking we both start smoking. We, uh, in our underwear, on the porch. On the porch. On, on the, the porch. porch. Oh, you know, chain smoking all day. We're just going to have them flying out. Um, I'm thinking blue tarps everywhere. Tires on top of tires, preferably like ripped tires, broken down snowmobiles. Anyone who has a boat or a broken down vehicle, if they want to come park it in my lot, um, I welcome that. I'm thinking we put them up on uh, on lifts or something. Uh, maybe cinder not- blocks. Just get a bunch of cinder blocks. That's or like put, the, put shit on top of the broken sleds. Yeah. So broken sled, uh, cinder blocks. We were recently spray painting. Uh, Micah has this like broken, cute rocking chair, and it's like you know the oh, well, let's get wood glue. Let's go to the hardware store. And you think that's like easy, but COVID makes shit like that fucking complicated. And I'm like, all right, Micah, we're masking up and we're going into the hardware store. So I had wood glue out. We were spray painting, and it was perfect right on the lot. Um, so that's my business. That's my that's my ask of you, Jen. That's yeah. your proposal. Yeah, team. put your pennies together. Okay. Come by this lot. Be my neighbor or someone out there listening. Come and put like a cool little tiny home next to me. But you won't see it right now because we knocked the sign down. I mean, the wind knocked the sign down. The wind knocked the sign down. I am. Um, I 
I appreciate it that you think I have an accountant. I my accountant <laughs> is called TurboTax. Turbo uh, Mrs. Tax does my taxes for me every year. And uh, given that I own pretty much nothing, I don't think that I'll be um, eligible to buy anything. Um, although what you're talking about is a major issue in mountain towns right now. And it might seem like our listeners might be like, this is a bougie ass conversation. Who gives a fuck about buying lots and houses and this and that? But this is like one more accessibility issue. I had a woman on the corner who rented the house for the summer and she had a young child. So we would kind of chit chat because she would see me with my daughter. And she literally had the nerve to say this to me. She's like, yeah, we rented the house to see if we might want to buy it. But we're kind of concerned about like the drug culture here. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, I'm concerned about like rich people moving up from the bay and changing the mountain culture. Wait, wait what drug culture? Like marijuana like people know. smoking weed because uh hello 2021's knocking at your door it's fucking legal yeah and i've like, been like drinking everywhere and like smoking a spliff while we were talking i know i'm just kidding i wasn't doing that but i don't know where i couldn't even entertain her i don't know what she was thinking i, I think it was what just drug called passing huge judgment on exactly what you spoke to of kind of like working class neighborhood or just like the vibe yeah. and the sense. I have no idea. And I just said to her what I said, cause I got this, you know, my own judgment. I was like, all right, you're going to come up here with your money and think that like your shit doesn't stink because you want to like make a life for yourself. Drug culture. Ooh. Like since when do wealthy people not use drugs? Ugh. Not use Like since when, like, I mean, isn't, this is like one of the like, you know, big issues in, in cannabis right now is the social justice aspect of like all the black men in particular who are in prison for minor drug infractions, whereas all the white men who've been making shit tons of money in the cannabis industry. So that's kind of like, I mean, I guess, I guess you don't necessarily have to be wealthy to dislike drug culture. Any human can dislike drug culture. And that's fine if you don't like drugs, because that that's fine. You can like drugs, not like drugs, like drinking, not like drinking, like all of that is fine. But it is, I think, actually really inappropriate to look at a community like Tahoma and say that you don't like the drug culture. Because for all the years that I lived there, when I would think about the things that defined that community or define mountain communities, uh, drugs, drugs is not one. And I think to me, drugs are pretty universal. Yeah. In nearly all communities. And if you think they're not, you're actually not fucking paying attention to the shit that people are, are doing. It feels like everybody has like figured out that we've just been having tons of fun, right? <laughs> like for all these years where we like haven't like there's like a whole lot of things that you're supposed to accumulate that we haven't been accumulating because we just wanted to play outside. And so we have like we don't necessarily earn the same salaries. We don't own the same things. There's not second homes. There's not multiple vehicles. There's not big savings accounts. Like all these things don't exist because we just have loved being outside. Just like, I think there's a level of um, judgment there. And then I think there's also some people find it acceptable when it meets their, you know, maybe their standard.
as always, um, sorry, not sorry. Thank you for being here. We love you all. Um, I love you. And honestly, we have so much fucking work to do. We're, we're just, we're doing the work. We're doing it.